0: i oh, the dream of the spirit Commander's Commodore's Log Stardate 0504-2023 The Man Trap Here I am on my first journey into this big universe, this trek amongst the stars, so many of them, in their young prime, all of them hot youngins or zaddies, covered in enough makeup to make a drag queen jealous. Hot lights, hot sets hot people, and a hot salt succubus. Ow, we ow. fell into the thirsty man trap on our first voyage as red sharts. Ow, ow! Hello. Hello, everyone. It is me, Missy Information, here with Emily Pineapple. How are you?
1: Hello. I am feeling, you know, brined. I'm going to say brined. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Yes. Uh, thank goodness that um, we, as humans, would be able to give our salt onto it. If I was a Vulcan, I wouldn't be able to. it. You know, I have the logic, but I'm just not logical enough. Um, so as we alluded to, this is an episode, the first episode that aired that was not the pilot, is about a shape-shifting, salt-sucking, sex-crazed, um creature that really tries to seduce so many male members of the crew and successfully does or at least kills them to steal their salt to get her thirst. Like this is about a thirsty, thirsty bitch.
1: Ass and this is how bitch. it
0: started.
1: Now Missy Emily... I need to know before oh, yes. we get started. So I am mm-hmm. a longtime aficionado of Star Trek. Uh, it was it was the first like science fiction that I saw, that I was like, this is one, definitely science fiction, and two, fucking incredible. Um, and I was just obsessed with it. Tell me about your history with Star Trek. What is what is your relationship with it? What have you seen before? What are you curious about? As we walk in to this, the first episode.
0: My exposure to Star Trek When I was younger, my dad showed me The Wrath of Khan, and that was probably the first Star Trek movie I had seen. I was aware of Star Trek conceptually because of reading Rainbow, and LeVar Burton would frequently do, like, behind-the-scenes stuff with him as uh, Geordie LaForge. So I was aware of Star Trek as this thing. And that there was a series, and you know that came before it in the six, you know. So I was sort of aware of it, but the first thing I remember seeing is *The Wrath of Khan*, which is a very intense film. And I was a child that was scared of everything, so you know I had nightmares about those little worm creatures go, or little bug creatures going in their ears. Yes, for sure. Um, but I just remembered. Loving it and was interested by this crew of people and the different, like, personalities and backgrounds and this idealized traveling space. Thing. It was sort of a nice antithesis to Star Wars, which is really what my big thing growing up mm-hmm. with was.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, we're definitely deep in uh, the utopia, the Star Trek future, as established in this moment. Uh, Or in this, the original series, of course, it develops over time. Um, But yeah, utopia versus dystopia. How do these utopian men of the future, and some women, and certainly other people, but they weren't talking about that back uh, (laughs) in the 60s. Um, How are they going to deal with things like salt succubi? How? How? How, Missy?
0: Well, and how Shall are...
1: Shall we go into it? Yes, and how scene are... Scene by scene?
0: How are the normal women on the crew supposed to deal with the sexual harassment of their fellow <laughs> crew Oh, members? you have
1: no fucking idea <laughs> what notes I have for this oh, episode and for future episodes. Here we because go. Because before we even get started, like, Star Trek, of course, a seminal piece of fiction in our world, incredibly influential, Um. Created by Gene Roddenberry. Gene Roddenberry, uh, a bit of a personal myth maker, you know, mm-hmm. the kind of guy who liked to go around and talk about how progressive he was. Kind of guy who liked to sort of increase his own myth in the minds of many. Uh, so, you know, the, the fun facts in the future and in this one a little bit, they're going to become less and less fun fun oh no comes to gene roddenberry uh as one can expect because we have to remember that everyone behind the scenes of this show they were still all men who had power in networks in the 60s like mm, as much as they're going to talk about how progressive they are as much as the really awesome stuff that they really did fight for and really did put on the screen like uh who is fucking up there um et-, et cetera you know we we just got to remember that and we see so many so many hints of that in this the first episode
0: oh there's there's hints and there's straight up clues and there's straight up like <laughs> revelations in front of you it's it's amazing um So at the start of this episode, uh, my husband uh, watched part of it with me. He uh, was sort of in and out. My husband, Alex, he is very excited to watch the entire series with me. So I will have his commentary in the background on these as well. Love Uh, The first comment that he had was, are we in the middle of the episode? (laughs) I was like, what? It's like, are we in the middle of the episode? This seems like because it just starts with like Mm -hmm. uh, Kirk and Bones just going into this like desert hi, and there's a guy there and uh, his wife, and they're just sort of chit-chatting, and they're like, oh yeah, we all sort of know each other. And and Alex is like, well, this has to be in the middle of it. And I'm like, no, it's at the start, but I went back and checked, because I'm like, I don't know, I think this is just how it begins, but like, maybe I'll look. Which um, yeah. then led me to confirm that this was the first episode, because I forgot, or I, I was aware mm-hmm. of, there is a pilot episode called The Cage. So when yes. the episode title... the The Man Trap came on. Mm -hmm. I was, one, delighted, and two, slightly confused and double-checked with you and said, Mm -hmm. are we watching The Man Trap? And you said, hell yeah.
1: So what's great about The Man Trap, or rather, sort of the situation around Star Trek and why this is the first episode. So this is the first episode that aired as the pirate. It was the sixth episode produced. At the time that it was chosen to be the first episode aired, they had, I think, three or four episodes completed. So they were picking between these three or four episodes. The Cage, the pilot, also the most expensive episode of Star Trek ever produced. Um, we're going to see a lot more of that later in some <gasps> canon episodes. Uh, oh. It is actually... Yeah, within, within this, the original series, we're going to see a lot of things from the cage in the future, and I'm very, very excited to get to that. Um, but the cage, of course, uh, as many people know, with Star Trek, uh, I don't even remember what it's called, the one with Captain Pike! There's a whole
0: strange series new world. now,
1: Strange New World, yes. with Captain Pike, who is featured in the cage. But of course, now at the Man Trap, We're with Captain Kirk. Um, Something, uh, a fun fact, I'll burn a little fun fact for us. Um, When this episode was chosen, it was chosen by the network, um, and none of the actors thought it was the best episode of the the available ones. They were like, why did you pick this one? This was a fun
0: episode, but it was not like... It doesn't set a great precedent with, with it in there uh, in yeah. terms of, of what I know for Star Trek. It's a very Creature of the Week type feature.
1: Yes, and that was precisely why they thought that it wouldn't be the best episode um, because the actors and the people behind it thought, mm, not the best episode to start off with because they wanted Star Trek to very specifically not be a Creature of the Week sort of a deal.
0: They saw um, that they saw that dead rug with a mask on yeah. the floor. And they were like, oh, really? The first one? This is the first? One? Okay.
1: Um, other interesting things about this episode. So when we start, we actually, we don't see Kirk. We see Mr. Spock chilling on the bridge of the, uh, or in the captain's chair, let's say. But let's start. Mm-hmm. We start with our lovely Colt open. We have the Enterprise floating in front of ancient Mars. We got a big old red planet just chilling.
0: Big old red, dry, dusty. The best Western desert set they have Precisely. available. Precisely.
1: So we get our captain's log, stardate 1513.1 at planet M113. So Kirk narrates what we see at the beginning. This was added in post because it was suggested, hey, this is the first episode and we're opening, just cold open on a planet with some dudes beaming down to a deserty sort of thing. I don't know how they thought that they wouldn't have narration, but this was the first time the captain's log shows up specifically because uh, it was recommended by one of the uh, writers, I believe.
0: Great recommendation, Various. teams.
1: So we get Kirk's narration.
0: And iconic. Kirk just
1: telling us what we see. um, That Kirk, McCoy, and yellow shirt, or blue shirt, blue shirt, Darnell. Darnell. Crewman Darnell. They beam into Mm -hmm. these scrubby ruins with uh, definitely things that were just on the back lot just rocks.
0: Oh yeah, absolutely. The finest just. pillars they had from the Roman ruins mixed with, uh, you know, desert landscaping. Rocks. And, you know, and then a door. You Random know, Oh statues, yes, fantastic. Uh,
1: that, mm-hmm. that are, that look like vaguely Roman, um, but not very many of them. So we land on this scrubby planet and Kirk explains to us that we're here for a routine medical exam. There's some folks on this planet, scientists, and we have to come around and do a medical exam every year. We're Starfleet. That's what we do.
0: Mm -hmm. And
1: this is all routine, except that the woman here happens to be that one woman from Dr. McCoy's past. That one woman. um, Mm
0: -hmm. The one one that got away.
1: Um so i the the thing that sort of stood out to me about this moment as we enter is Kirk suggests to McCoy that he give the girl flowers he picks some of that scrubby, ugly grass, and McCoy's like, "Oh, is this how you get all the girls to like you by bribing them?"
0: <laughs>
1: mhm, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. um." So we do need to establish.
0: I'm sure Kirk has a multitude of methods.
1: (laughs) Oh, and you'll see most of them. Uh, (laughs) So, McCoy, uh, we enter the stately cave mansion. We got some weird Egypt-esque, like, not-quite-dog statues in the background. Anything else in this scene that stands out to you, Missy? Because we walk into this strange stately cave mansion Mm -hmm. to meet... Uh, Mrs. Nancy Crater, who is the wife of Robert Crater, Bob, the professor, yes. the only two people on this planet.
0: I was surprised mm-hmm. how sparse it was, given that it was like a lab place, um, cause in, you know, it would seem like something where now they would have the money or the CGI to give it like, oh, a, this at one point was a big research center and now they have the ruins of that mixed in with everything. But this, they're like, no, it was a small, like, it's a, it's, it, it almost seems like bringing a battalion yeah. to check on the park ranger who's in like the forest, you know, uh, watchtower by himself kind of deal. And so, yeah, for me, it was just like the simplicity of the set which worked because it seemed more normal because it's like yeah this is a small outpost even even like the design of the things on the enterprise itself like the control panels everything was just like simple buttons not a lot of meters everything computer screen here there spock had an earpiece that looked like (laughs) a spark plug that he had just like put in his ear it was fantastic everything just looked like made by boring military human people that were making functional stuff. Like submarines in space. It was great. So yeah, that's what I just noticed. And and um the acting, just the the sort of interesting naturalistic. Like it wasn't as melodramatic as like the the, the writing is melodramatic, but everyone isn't acting as melodramatic as even some of the uh, dramas and, say, westerns and epics that you had coming out of the 50s and 60s That for is TV. a
1: very interesting point. Uh, that is really interesting. Um, something that was established for this episode and for um, the director of this episode, Mark Daniels, um, is that he instituted a policy where whenever anyone wasn't on scene, like whenever they weren't being filmed, they would go and rehearse future scenes around the table. Which they kept for nice. the entire series, which I think probably adds to that naturalistic sort of thing. These people spent a lot of time acting with each other rather than mm-hmm. being off in there, you know
0: trailers when you rehearse something over and over what you're getting rid of like your first instincts are good but what you're getting rid of is the artifice so that's where you're getting of when you're on set and you're seeing it the first time and you're just going with like intensity but there's no listening there's no matching like that's the thing that i was surprised most was how much the actors were connecting mm-hmm. with each other on set like i always forget how much tv is just filmed plays to a certain degree but a lot of the TV in the 50s and 60s were just done on, like, theater sets, and this was this was filmed on a studio a lot, but they still treated it just like a theatrical performance that, oh, yeah, and these cameras happen to be capturing it, and we're going to show it, like, once on TV, you know, oh, maybe now a few other times when reruns become a concept, but, like, this is just a thing that we're filming, it's a play that we're doing, and get a chance to, like, not have to do it live in front of an audience, and we can do it once Very and get it done. true. Or you know, a few takes, but yeah,
1: just just a few, just a few. There are definitely moments uh, where it seems like maybe they did just get the one. Maybe that was just the oh one yes, game. absolutely.
0: Um, I'm sure they only blew up that pillar <laughs> once, and they nailed it. But yeah, it's like that's a one and done. They're not. They would. They'd have to take whatever um, win with that. So
1: we're in the cave. We're hanging out. We learn that McCoy. Had known this woman, they had walked out of each other's lives 10 years ago. That is the only backstory we get mm-hmm. because we need more close up shots of Kirk. Why are we wasting our time of while course. he is smoldering in a corner? Um, so that's when we get Mrs. Nancy Crater who walks in this beautiful dark haired woman with blue eyeshadow, which, as you will learn mm-hmm. in the future, anyone with blue eyeshadow. In Star Trek is bisexual and evil
0: oh fantastic
1: (laughs) not anyone but basically anyone with blue eyeshadow bisexual and evil Um, so we see you know she's beautiful she's gorgeous then we see Kirk look at her and she's just like old she's the same woman but old then we see Darnell see her And she's a completely different woman. She's a hot blonde.
0: Hot blonde. Oh, a busty blonde.
1: Just a busty ass blonde. Immediately, this guy, Darnell, is like, oh my god, you look, you're exactly like this woman that I knew from this pleasure planet. Which, honestly, if you saw someone, the spitting image of anyone else in the galaxy, wouldn't, wouldn't you be like, hey, wait, aren't you literally the person who I saw? this is an obvious issue for Kirk and McCoy. Kirk, in fact, the one time he stands up for women not being harassed. yeah, He's like, um, Darnell, you should probably walk outside. Like, please Mm -hmm. leave the room.
0: Because Darnell is just va-va-voom, wolf eyes, and and Kirk is like, hey, we're here for a medical exam. Like, keep it stowed away.
1: Keep it stowed away. Mm, This is McCoy's old flame, and she's like kind of an old lady. Uh, so Darnell, Krumanar now, GTFO, go stand outside. Um, Nancy Crater goes to find her husband, Professor Bob, uh, and passes Darnell outside, who again sees this hot blonde, mm-hmm. and she like totally flirts with him. Walks away seductively, and he follows her space the final frontier
0: credits beautiful beautiful cold opening
1: yes wonderful um we get a hottie we get a mystery about this hottie mm-hmm. and then we get the suggestion of danger
0: uh, i'm amazed in their cold open they got away with saying he had a pleasure planet On primetime TV. Like, that's like, (laughs) like, oh, yeah, I went to a space brothel, and it looks like her.
1: (laughs) Just, huh. Um, That's something that will come back again and again. The Pleasure Planets. Why? Because Gene Roddenberry was obsessed with sex.
0: Oh. Obsessed with sex. I'm shocked. Shocked.
1: Shocked. Shock and awe. We start off with The Man Trap. About a woman who looks like many different women. I don't know. I just think that this guy might be really into sex. Um, So after our final frontier, we get another narration explaining everything that we saw in the first scene
0: in case you missed it you had you're coming home and you you know you just caught it we're gonna repeat it so that you don't have to worry about it you know or if you were just confused by what was happening you're like what was that i don't get what i'm saying it's like let me repeat it again and that i'll tell you what you saw and you'll be good
1: yes uh so kirk explains to us what we just saw but of course within the, the the episode he does not know this yet. Kirk does not know yet that each man is seeing a different version of Nancy. Mm-hmm. But he has just told us that every man has seen a different version of Nancy. Um, and that's when we meet Professor Bob. Professor Bob, who walks in, in like full libertarian rage. Oh, and vaxing vaxxing yeah. his way across the room. Get the fuck off my planet. All we need is salt and get the fuck off my planet. I don't need your fucking medical nothing.
0: Mm -hmm. It's like, you don't scan me, you give me salt. And that's all I want, I want N-A-C-L.
1: Yeah, he he insults Kirk, which is great. Kirk's like, "Mm, excuse me, I am the captain of a starship, so you do actually have to do what I say.
0: Do you know how many light years we came to just stop by to do this for you, you ungrateful little prick?
1: You just little prick. And this guy's like, oh, yeah, you're a starship captain. You sure do like showing your golden braids around. Is that <laughs> what you're doing out here? Just th- showing those braids to everyone, bitch?
0: You got but your course- low rider spaceship just pulling up to <laughs> my place. Come on.
1: Come on. But then he immediately basically uh, changes his tune as soon as he realizes that the doctor, McCoy, is... The- a person from Nancy's past, past. Mm -hmm. You wouldn't think this. You would think he'd be like, oh, I'm all jealous that my wife's former lover is here. No, he's like- He's into it. Oh, thank goodness. I'm so Mm -hmm. glad that she gets to see you. You know, solitude is great for me. I love solitude, but women,
0: you know, women.
1: And he does very specifically just say, but you know, women. Yeah. Period. Dot dot the, dot. Verbatim. Just like, you know, those women, they get lonely. A a woman needs company. You know how women are. He offers Kirk a seat. He's like, Where are my manners? You're <laughs> oh, here to fuck my wife. Oh my oh, god. And I didn't even offer you a drink. Oh my,
0: my god. god, I'm so sorry. I thought I thought you were here for a medical exam, but if you're here to help pleasure my wife and join our little <laughs> harem Oh, well then that's a different situation.
1: Um and you know, I wonder, I wonder who had to take that extra line out of Gene Roddenberry's final pass at at the script um which clearly was not final. So McCoy cannot chill. He has zero chill. He's like, "Oh my god, I know. She's such a hottie." Oh, and yeah. she doesn't look a day over 25. This woman, she has no grays in her hair. Kirk is like, mm, she has some grays. He, oh, he's
0: negan. He's like, <laughs> I mean, McCoy, you being a little idealistic here? Like, she gray. Like,
1: uh. He has this little, like, smug sort of like, oh, McCoy and the love of his life. <laughs> I mean,
0: he's very much like, I mean, McCoy, it's your type. Like, you're talking about someone who's my type. That's not my type. It's your type.
1: He goes, like, oh, oh no, I'm sorry. I mean, she's a handsome woman, but she's uh she's got gray hair. So I love that he called her a handsome woman. Mm-hmm. Um and that's when Bob replies, like, Oh, you know, McCoy, when you see her again, she will be of a more believable age. That's odd. Huh?
0: Yeah. How did he know that? Interesting.
1: Hmm. Hmm. Hmm, Bobby. Hmm. hmm. But we don't we don't need to worry about that. Because a woman screams! Aye. We hear the shriek. Ah! Um, which is, you know, one of Star Trek's most favorite ways to move a plot along.
0: Oh, just offstage scream. screaming.
1: A woman screams. And we gotta run. We gotta see what happens. They run out to find old Mrs. Crater. Uh now everyone is seeing her as she still looks young she is the same woman but she has some gray in her hair if they didn't see each other for 10 years that means she's about 35 years old so she actually looks a lot older than what Mm -hmm. would be believable
0: yeah when they gave her this
1: gray wig
0: she's a little a little stressed out for her age
1: a little stressed um and and the reason that she's stressed perhaps it's because Darnell is dead on the ground. Dun 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 Crewman Darnell, um Bob immediately he does he barely looks at the situation and he's like your stupid ass crew member clearly <laughs> oh, yeah. just took a bite out of a random plant which happens yep. to
0: Look at this, look at this dipshit putting whatever he wants in his mouth. Like I can't like what what, what are you people are you bringing down on this planet that are just eating up all these plants that are clearly poisonous like oh shit
1: um so kirk immediately stands up for his crew man uh which he does occasionally he's fucking pissed he's like my man just died like mrs crater you're in hysterics but you need to tell me what the fuck just happened because he's dead um and Mrs. Uh, can, I, just like,
0: I, I, can i describe her response oh please it is the exact response of a woman who is still coming off like she's been an hour or two off of her peak high and now she's being filmed on cops and she's mm, being interrogated mm-hmm. by them so mm-hmm. she's trying to act as normal as possible but she takes like 30 to 45 seconds <laughs> to basically think of her story which is just like what they what said, Bob said that that they had the plant, but she knows that's not how he died, and so mm-hmm. goes about like well, uh, who yeah, and he yeah, and then he just, he the took plant, a, w- and and, and uh, I tried, uh, but then I went, and he already and, had it uh, before and I could I, even I could say anything, anything and, and, and just, then yeah, it's might as well be like he, yeah, that's the ticket, yeah yeah, he ate the plant, yeah, yeah, yeah he
1: totally yeah. ate the plant. So Kirk still pissed as fuck, not buying it. McCoy completely startled at the fact that the woman who he saw like a minute previously has now aged 15 years.
0: Yeah, he's like, wow, I really did have like rose tinted or beer glasses, like one or two of them. And I don't think I had a drink.
1: So he's just like staring at her. She's all like. (laughs) <laughs> McCoy, why are you looking at me like that? Like, I'm guilty of something. And he's like, no, 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 it's nothing. It's not that at all. Because it isn't that at all. He's more just mm-hmm. like, how did this bitch get old? He, is she on the beach that makes you old?
0: Is he is beach? 100% bought This is, mm-hmm. he is the Captain Hastings to Kirk's uh, Hercule prawo who is just the the goober next to him who is just fallen in love and is just like always taken in Mm -hmm. by the woman who is clearly the murderer and they just go, oh well but but I couldn't possibly imagine them you know, killing someone when they have a bloody knife in their hand and and he's like, oh my, I don't know oh
1: no, it couldn't couldn't be her Um, but in any case they're again as Kirk's like, we're gonna beam up right now because we need Mm -hmm. to figure some shit out they're like, Take oh, and the don't forget day. the salt. Like maybe if you could like bring some salt back.
0: <laughs> oh yeah, when you're she's, done, ba- she's basically like scratching her arm. I need salt, <laughs> please, salt. Steely likes some salt. Well, he even says we had fifty pounds of salt, and now we're down to this. And there's like you know ninety pills in the bottom of this big vase.
1: Mm-hmm. Um. So now we see for the first time the bridge of the Enterprise.
0: Yes.
1: Mr. Spock is sitting in the captain's seat, acting captain, because Kirk is on his away mission. Mm -hmm. And uh, the first thing we get to see is Uhura, our communications officer.
0: Sliding on up.
1: Slides on up. Just like, hey, Mr. Spock, why the fuck don't you flirt with me?
0: Why do you tell yeah, me I'm pretty? She, she might tell as well me say about
1: the moons.
0: I'm a woman and I'm bored. <laughs> well, she's talking about like I'm basically becoming the control panel, and then her first yeah. uh, follow-up is that how come you've never called me attractive? And it's like, oh wow, okay, but then she's just, like, or or ask me about my romances and my previous. And I'm like, oh, she's just I mean. Why don't you ask me about any of that interesting stuff? Not not why you Spock don't think I'm a hottie. Just I mean, I you think know. that's
1: what she's asking. I mean, she's she just like is, Spock. What, why don't she, you tell me I'm a beautiful woman? Why don't you is, tell me but, about the romantic moons on Vulcan? Uh,
0: I'm I, I also bored. felt like sh- she was pointing out his general yeah. emotionlessness. True. You know, it was it was it sort of. The question's all geared toward that, but, mm-hmm. you know, and that's when we get Spock's first, you know, a, a reaction of emotions are illogical. And, and she says, well, I'm illogical because I'm a woman, basically. You, you just know? think la, I'm just an illogical la.
1: woman. I know what you're thinking. Oh, I'm just an illogical woman. And he's like,
0: there I'm gonna aren't go ask, any moons uh, yeah.
1: on Vulcan. <laughs>
0: I don't. I, I'm gonna go ask other crew members if they find me attractive. <laughs>
1: this is professionalism in in this century okay okay um we get you know the the transporter room you know calls them on their little flip phones
0: their solution to not having to animate the ship going up and down all the time
1: (gasps) hey we're beaming up two crew members one is dead spock is immediately like sweet do it gets to work. Uhura is like, oh my god, that could be I do, Kirk.
0: I, do, I don't think he was all sweet about sure. it, but he was very, very matter-of-fact. He wasn't like, ha, huh, yeah. He was just like, uh, oh.
1: okay. <laughs> He's like, sure. Confirmed. Great, continue. Um Uhura just Oh, my God. You're not even reacting. Kirk is the closest thing you have to a friend.
0: Yeah, she is. I need you to feel.
1: She's just like, bitch, like we're at work. We are at work right now. Like, I'm not helping anyone by acting emotional.
0: I appreciate you right now. But you reflecting your emotions and projecting them <laughs> onto me is not helping me do my job right now. Yep. Nor yours. So nor yours. You know.
1: Just control you know, panel. Control panel. Back to the control panel. Um and we we cut away. We cut away. We've gotten to know Mr. Spock the best way that um, that fucking Gene Roddenberry can tell us that someone has no emotions.
0: They, they don't, don't react want... to
1: a beautiful woman. They
0: don't want to have sex. Like, what man? Would... We see other men moments later in the show want to have sex with another crew member, a blonde one, and like, oh, see, that's that's the normal reaction that's of men normal. on a ship is to that's go the... va-va-va-voom.
1: Can you imagine? So... We're in the uh trans we're everyone's transported up. We're in the medical bay.
0: Yes. We've
1: got the crew together. We've got Kirk and we've got Spock and we've got McCoy. Um
0: and a dead Darnell.
1: And a dead Darnell. Who we um, should
0: say the the death The death markers on him look like they basically took a suction ring multiple times just on his face and just drew like little eyeliner red circles on it. Like not consistent, you know, enough to make it look like, oh, yeah, different levels of suction on it. But it it was just funny how it's like, oh, yeah, no, this is basic makeup. It's again, no CGI where it's like, oh, there's pulsing you know, wounds that are festering or whatever. And it's like, nope, just little circles.
1: Little red circles everywhere. Uh, S- Spock and McCoy both immediately confirm that the plant they are saying he ate would not have killed him in that yep. way. That yep. that it's total, utter bullshit. It's, um, he was
0: dead before he ate the plant.
1: Yep. And McCoy is like, so I know we have this dead guy in front of us, but isn't it kind of weird how Nancy, like, looked, like, really hot and then
0: looked, like, really old? He's and like, Kirk yeah, immediately so that. bites
1: his head off. He's just like, McCoy, I have a dead man in the room! Literally maybe the only time we're going to see Kirk give a shit about a random dead crewman <laughs> over a woman, over any woman doing anything. Um...
0: He's he had to be the grown-up for once. He had to be the grown up. Because he, be up he for is McCoy once. he is McCoy's wingman, and so he has yeah. to make sure McCoy uh keeps himself in check.
1: But he's also just so fucking pissed that yeah. this man is dead because this man is wearing a blue shirt.
0: Yeah, that's and also a red shirt? Yeah, that's, that's true. disposable. Also, it's like they were all just on the planet together. Like, how how could he make such a mistake? And now, how could he have not died the way we thought he died?
1: Mm-hmm. So now is when we get uh, a really fun racist joke. Did you catch the racist joke?
0: I'm not 100% sure I did.
1: So we get Uhura. We, we need to establish, like, some stakes, I suppose. So Uhura's like, hey, you know we're supposed to be, like, Dropping off a couple of shipments Like we're gonna be late Commander Dominguez like Wants his shipment mm-hmm. Um and Kirk's like I will get Commander Dominguez His red chili peppers Tell him I picked them myself Like <laughs>
0: oh my Oh my word
1: <laughs> Immediately it's just like <laughs> Wait, well, but no, but wait, what? It's, a ut- it's
0: a utopia. Like he's, you know, they're providing what he wants. You know, that's what well, they would like that. That's nice, right?
1: Oh man, it's just like yeah, Commander Dominguez. Boy, like first boy thought, howdy. like oh my gosh, yeah, it's the future. Of course, all races are in space. That's the point of this. But you know, no, he just wants his chili peppers because that's not.
0: You know, there's no other there's no other like medical supplies or anything else that's important in those shipments. Just, you know, his little pleasures.
1: So, you know, now we're back on the planet. We're talking to Nancy about her lies about Darnell's death and also, of course, salt. This time we've got Kirk, Spock, a yellow shirt, crewman Mm -hmm. green and a blue shirt crewman sturgeon yes um and crewman sturgeon was named that after a future writer or a person who wrote a number of episodes
0: oh very interesting
1: that's in my fun facts where i have his whole name written down instead of me just being like some guy (laughs) (laughs) they share this name so kirk wisely sends the disposable individuals out to find Nancy while he and Spock speak to Bob. Mm-hmm. Because when we have a planet that someone has already died on wandering around, we got to send Let's out more it people twice to wander over. around.
0: Mm-hmm. Let's double it up. That's all you need to do. Double it up.
1: Yeah. So, you know, Kirk again on his shit. He's so fucking pissed. He goes, our guy died because he has no salt in his body not because of this plant and
0: all you've asked for is salt who wanted salt hmm someone mentioned salt a bunch lately jingle jingle jingle
1: goes i don't like mysteries they give me a bellyache and i've got a beauty of one right now which i love because basically every episode of star trek is a mystery oh of course kirk just has indigestion this entire time (laughs)
0: <laughs> That's why he always looks like he's he has a rumble in his tummy and he's just trying to stave off a a terrible belch.
1: Yeah. So Kirk again, he's he's pulling rank. He's just like, "Look. We are here to protect human life, and one of my humans just died on your planet. That means yeah. this place could be dangerous. We are taking you to our ship."
0: We came here to keep you away from danger, and the moment we got here, it became super dangerous. What is up with that?
1: What is up with that? And we're we're taking you up on the ship. Fine, don't tell us anything, but you're coming back with us. They turn around, and Bob immediately runs off. Um, he
0: gone. He's gone. Boom. And well, Who? they say he runs off, but he like meanders, which made me laugh because he's like he he like doesn't even mall walk. He just like you know, casually walks away. and then turns like, what? He ran off. It's like, no, 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 oh, no, no. I know you didn't see him do it, but he did not run.
1: They, uh, Kirk and Spock run out to find him. Um, but we just watch Bob sort of wandering on this planet where he stumbles upon what else? <gasps> A dead blue shirt.
0: A dead sturgeon. Killed in the
1: same way, has those same rings all over his Mm -hmm. face.
0: There's no fish.
1: And that's when he starts calling to Nancy. He pulls some little salt pellets and he goes, he's calling her like she's a dog.
0: Come here, Nancy. I've got
1: some salt for you. Salt. I've got some salt. I have salt. Um, And she, she, we see her kind of like looking around. Who's underneath her? You guessed it. Another dead crewman.
0: It's green, the, ye- the it's yellow shirt.
1: Green, the yellow shirt. Um, But she, you know, she doesn't come out to get the salt because she sees Kirk and Spock looking somewhere else. And they're calling for crewman green. Mm-hmm. Crewman green. Like, come on. We got to beam the fuck up. We've got Bob here. We're all leaving. We can't find Nancy. Fuck it. Like, we're
0: gone. Yep, We're gone.
1: That is when we see Nancy transform from her beautiful woman self into crewman green.
0: She can shape shift into any gender or form. Oh, my God.
1: She walks over all creepy style.
0: Well, I will say I will quickly interrupt and say this was the moment that I did. It did make me realize that it was a total shape shift. I thought mm-hmm. for a moment what was happening is that she was a character that reflected what people saw all the time because she mentioned that basically, mm-hmm. like I'm, I'm the vision of it in your mind. I thought that was yeah. her only power. So to learn she can just become anyone, it was yeah. like, oh, oh, okay. Now I see where this is going. Yeah, and we're gonna get a uh, salt succubus on the ship very yeah. soon.
1: So it seems like she can both read minds and transform. And I will continue calling her Nancy uh, and using she for Nancy because, just to make it clear, because bitch is going to transform a couple more times.
0: Well, and that's how they refer to her in her base yeah. form as well, even though it's a, a, a cre- or a creature. You know, Kirk calls it it at some point. McCoy's like, yeah. she, she. Yeah. Preferred And, pronouns. and Bob
1: also... Well, we'll see how Bob thinks of her. Yes. Um, So they're about to beam up. McCoy's still like, but where is Nancy? Where is my love? (laughs) And Kirk, in a moment of just perfect self-reflection, says... Bones, stop thinking with your glands.
0: Yes, I have. oh, stop thinking with your glands was a perfect <laughs> perfect and that was a moment that Alex was back in. So he was like, wait, he just did he just say yes he did. Yeah. He did just say that. I'm yep. happy right now.
1: Uh so they they beam back up. They beam back up, seemingly, with Bob and Kroom and Green. No, they've got an
0: imposter. Mm-hmm.
1: Um, so They get back on the ship. We have the best cinematography moment of this episode, which is a camera following Kirk uncomfortably close as he walks through the hallway into the elevator. That's the only thing that happens, but that was the one handheld shot. It was a cool got. tracking
0: shot because you see cool. like the circular rooms that go around it goes mm-hmm. in the elevator and it looks like it's moving. But it's clearly just someone on a light tracking it where it was going up and mm-hmm. down and up and down just to say, look, there's a light outside that's going.
1: Yeah. So it was it, it's a great moment. Um, and we get to spend some time watching Nancy as Crewman Green mm-hmm. walk around really creepily around the ship. Like someone who doesn't know where mm-hmm. they are or what to say, but they
0: went from they went from uh, from the uh, from cutie to creepy real fast. No. Like they were able to make that switch. Good acting,
1: and that's when she sees. Um, a character that we are going to see a lot of, one of my favorites, and who unfortunately Yay. doesn't make it through the entire first season. No, you to, can't
0: tell me these spoilers.
1: Uh, it's not so much of a spoiler as a keep in mind that Gene oh. Roddenberry and everyone behind the scenes were really sexist and really awful.
0: Okay. So
1: that so this person doesn't die; she just disappears from just the show, got it. and she had enough. We'll talk more about it later. Okay. Um, so now we're at Yeoman Janice. Yeoman Janice, I fucking love. She has mm-hmm. the best hair. It looks like uh, someone wove best. a mat of blonde and just put it over like five buns in the back.
0: Just the proto B-52 hairdo. I'm the bee of beehives. Like the queen yes. bee.
1: And she's walking around. She's got a tray full of food.
0: You know, munching on some space salt, celery.
1: Munching on space celery. Crewman Green comes up to her, says nothing.
0: She's mm. like,
1: "Hey, Crewman Green. W- hey, hey." He re- or Nancy reaches out to grab the salt shaker, and Janice, acting reasonably, smacks his hand. and Goes, "What the yes. hell's wrong with you? Get That's away my from my salt. That.
0: That's Go get not your own yours.
1: Salt. That is not yours. This is my job." We see that she is bringing this tray to Sulu. This is her Mm -hmm. job. Um, We later get to see Kirk put some trash onto a tray being held by another blonde yeoman. Not Nancy, just another blonde lady holding a fucking tray. Of Um, course. But this is where we get uh, some, some more fun sexism before she gets to where she's going. Um, Oh, yeah. This was
0: this was the the, the prime example of it in this episode.
1: Oh, yes. So this is like the in-universe sexism in-universe sexism is always seen as normal and a compliment. And in fact, these women get angry if you do not harass them, because Gene Roddenberry is a very thoughtful individual who definitely had a conception of anyone outside of himself.
0: It, uh-huh. He was he was pro sex, being pro the sex that he likes.
1: Yes, um, it's just going to get more and more. I fucking hate Gene Roddenberry. I hate him, and that I is. I can't wait for this descent into
0: Roddenberry hell. Roddenberry.
1: He was a cop, first off. He was a policeman as a job, and then he wrote police shows. He he wanted to write for police p- procedurals. Interesting. Because he was a fucking cop. And not only that, he was the kind of cop who, when he was called somewhere, if they invited him into party, he would do so. And now I'm not necessarily against the idea of someone being like, yeah, this isn't a problem. It's a party. But come the fuck on, dude. So <laughs> I fucking hate him. But a group of crewmen, they see Janice, they're like, oh, is that food for me? She's like, oh, oh, you wish. Mm, Cute, flirty dialogue, wow.
0: She walks away, and all their heads turn, staring at her (laughs) ass as it jiggle jellos away off screen. Yep, and like, just Yeah, openly just Don't you
1: wish that she was your yeoman?
0: Mm. Yeah, oh yes, your own personal yeoman, oh yeah. And and they're they're kind of looking over at uh, Green, like, yeah, yeah, and Green is just still (laughs) looking like a crack addict who just smelled (laughs) who just smelled like it and was like i'm sorry i got one thing going on like i saw it and i need to get it now sorry everyone bye 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 and he just me goes goes to follow her
1: following her we see her enter uh one of the best sets that they have ever had. Um, yeah, and this is the plant the room. Botany Mr. Bay. Sulu.
0: Yes. Uh, this
1: is one of the only times that the Botany Bay was shown. It's really just the med bay, but with plants in it.
0: Oh, there you um,
1: go. And what's, what's especially great about it is that there is one really excellent pink plant, oh, which my is word. 100% a hand in a glove.
0: Yes, just a hand puppet up through the Gertrude table. Gertrude as Sulu called it but it was a male uh as the uh
1: Janice uh Janice,
0: says because uh, uh,
1: say a woman knows a, a woman, woman knows. knows
0: well as she's co- as she's coaxing it which uh let's just be real the way it was there's like sort of a planty out exterior and a hand in it and it looks like she's coaxing it like a a little coming out of a foreskin except it's a hand and and it's like is the noise it makes and it's so happy with her touch and it's just like woo! this isn't suggestive (sighs) at all at all
1: we get a little sassy moment from sulu um i really like their dynamic we don't get to see a lot of anyone besides you know kirk uh doing things because william shatner a person who i also hate was very jealous of the camera but we get janice and sulu they sound like best friends they have such a great chemistry Yeah, loved it um but, but sulu's like so why do we have to gender objects things that mm-hmm. don't have gender isn't that silly like, how we call the ship a women yes Is, isn't that fucking weird
0: mm-hmm.
1: isn't that just fucking ridiculous that's when green appears in the room and freaks the fuck out of the penis plant
0: oh it's yeah it's screaming screams it does not like it's presence cause it recognizes another creature
1: mm-hmm. Sulu and uh Nan- and uh Janice are like okay what the fuck is up with green because he just walked in here really weird and ran off when the plant started screaming at him we don't know. We're back in those corridors with Nancy. They have to calm down the Plenus plant. They can't just go chasing after random random crewmen. That's when we see Uhura come out of an elevator. And immediately Nancy turns into a tall, handsome black man. Because this was the 60s. And the first interracial kiss of television won't happen for another three seasons or another two seasons. We got
0: to build up the tension to it.
1: We got to build up the tension. Um, So he kind of looms over her and she's all like, do I fucking know you? Like, why are you looming over me?
0: Oh, yeah. Uh, just like, like he's just like, I'm here. Nancy's like, I come and get it baby
1: yeah he's like you were thinking of someone like me and she's all like oh so when i'm lonely i think of you random ass person who's just here she's not
0: impressed with that pickup line
1: no but then he speaks to her in swahili and i have a translation of that and this really gets her excited she responds in swahili like she's the communications officer And that was fun. This was one of Ron Barry's ideas to have uh, them, him or Nancy, speak in Swahili to Uhura as a way of getting her like, oh, wait a minute. Um, Maybe this isn't just a total creep looming over me. Mm -hmm. Um, And so what he says is. okay, in English, what he says is, how are you, friend? I think of you, beautiful lady you should never know loneliness
0: wow that's that is kind of hot it was coming from someone that you cared about and trusted not from a stranger who you're not even at a bar and you're both a little bit like in the moment like this person just like come came around the corner the elevator opens up and he's like hey what's up sexy hey
1: but you she's lonely, like, you
0: lonely, you
1: lonely. She's kind of transfixed, though, mm-hmm. because not only has she just been basically saying, like, why doesn't anyone call me beautiful? That's all I, a woman, want. And I'm so lonely about it.
0: Well, and um, I'm sure there's not many people who speak Swahili, if any, on the ship. So she probably was yeah. like, wow, you yeah. maybe are the person who I've been thinking of.
1: So she is a little transfixed. She starts getting called to the bridge and it takes her like a minute to sort of slink away from this guy cuz he's he's both he's looming over her in a creepy way but she does appear to be somewhat transfixed by him not and, in a weird way well, not, and not I, like i want to fuck him way.
0: i read it as and this is this is what's me interpreting the the body mm-hmm. language going on was so his hands were a little bit out in a yep. threatening manner i think she basically was waiting to like make her move to make sure he didn't pounce on her so 100%. i think it was tra- sl- like maybe 50 percent transfixed but she's looking for her out like she keeps like yeah acknowledging like hearing it and almost like looking at him to be like do you hear that i'm being called because you're not moving yeah. and you're still like uncomfortably close to me and my back's against the wall literally yeah. and then she makes for it when um sulu and janice uh go up i believe and she yes. catches the elevator ride in, with them
1: distract everything what i what i felt in that scene is that 100 you are correct about what was happening in the body language. The camera, however, definitely thinks that she wants to fuck him.
0: That's interesting. I yeah, would agree like, with that. It was, yeah. it, yes, I it took me a little bit to kind of wonder at first, and I think it yeah. is because it was shot in a, like he's shot very statuesque, even though he's mm-hmm. like looming, and that's, that's just where you're like, uh no. They get like the <laughs> no, soft please.
1: focus face shots of like mm-hmm. her with her eyes looking, we all know that she's trying to fucking slink away. There's threatening hands, but the scene was written that she, too, is transfixed by this beauty. Mm-hmm. Um, so we get she. Yeah. So now we move to McCoy's room. This is yes. the one and only time we will ever see uh, McCoy's quarters.
0: Interesting.
1: Do they look different from anyone else's quarters? No!
0: <laughs> the same set.
1: So we see him trying to get rest on this wonderful golden lemay least comfortable possible bed in the universe. Um, and this is just a fun moment uh, where Kirk is like video calling him and McCoy is like, yeah, I still can't sleep. And he's like, huh, take one of those red pills that you gave me last week. <laughs> You'll sleep.
0: You wanna get red pilled too?
1: Yeah. So I loved I love that McCoy red pilled uh fucking Kirk. I just think mm-hmm. that there should be more of that in every show. Of course.
0: Um uh, but the vice versa. Kirk red pilled McCoy.
1: Well, yes. He he yes. was like McCoy, you should. You should take the stuff. Um and we see him, I think, look at them. I'm not sure if he yep. actually takes one of them. No, at that he point.
0: he he doesn't because uh, later on, he confirms that he, he hasn't tried them before. Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, so we head back to the bridge where we get to see the very important scene of Kirk putting some trash on a random lady's tray. Yes, of course. That's all that happens. Other things are said, but that's all I cared about.
0: He was just saying, just like basically again summarizing like what they've what they have discovered so far, what they don't know, what they're trying to figure. You know, he has three dead crew members now, uh, or well, actually, he thinks only two dead crew members because they haven't discovered Green's body yet.
1: No. Um, So now we're back in McCoy's room. Nancy has found McCoy's room and is once again. Back in her Nancy form.
0: She smelled um, his salt scent.
1: Yes. And she he's like, oh my God, yes, come into my room with weird nets on the walls and gold <laughs> lame everywhere. And she's all like, oh, I'm, so, you know, you just relate to me more. McC- than anyone McCoy, else here
0: i i feel like you get me and like no one else gets me so do you want to cheat on me cheat on my husband with me you know he'd be cool with it yeah i just yeah, get it so, you yeah. know. and thank McCoy god mccoy shows like,
1: mm, excuse me what
0: he shows like, restraint Yo, he's like uh not like this please not like, like this mm,
1: excuse me like you are married like what And she's all, um, but I like your feelings better than his feelings. (gasps) She can feel people's feelings? Mm -hmm. Gasp. Um, Oh, no. It's revealed that some random guy in a plastic outfit has been killed the same way.
0: A hallway person's dead. and
1: Janice have found him. This costume I believe is one of the same costumes that was used in an Outer Limits episode.
0: It makes sense it looks like just like yeah. a radioactive like hazmat yeah. suit.
1: Yeah, and when it's also one of the few times that we're going to see a crew member just not in the standard uniform. Interesting, uh, because they're lazy. You know? <laughs> or rather they <laughs> Once have- they got and- all the
0: costumes ready, they just reused all of them.
1: They had to spend a lot of time making the women walk from the costumer to Gene Roddenberry's office so that uh, he could observe proof. them what? and kind of prod at them and then send them back and forth. A real thing that happened constantly in Gene,
0: the next generation. Gene. Come on, Gene. So
1: we didn't have time for any other costumes at that point. Um, oh, no, someone is dead. We get a really great shot of Nancy, like, like wiping the sweat of McCoy's brow. Being like, mm. sleep, honey, like, sleep. And then, like, almost lick her fingers.
0: Yeah, and she's like, just take those red pills. They'll help you sleep. You should do that. Yeah. Like, well, Kirk was telling me I should try them, but you're I being a bit. I don't know. <laughs> <You're>... <laughs> I think you're going to try and do bad stuff to me when I sleep.
1: Uh, that's when McCoy gets called to the bridge. Well, we see McCoy. He's in his bed. He's kind of delirious. And we get another great cinematography moment. We see Nancy biting her finger in the corner. The camera circles around the room back to seeing McCoy in the same spot, biting his finger. She has become McCoy. And goes up to the bridge. Uh, So now we're back on the planet. We're back for Bob. We're like, Bob, 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 come on. Like we're, we're going, we're getting nowhere here. And now someone on the ship is dead.
0: So we've made, they've basically made the connection that like someone on the ship is dead. We can't find Nancy here. So you need to come up with us because we think Nancy's up there and you need to help sort this out because apparently you're the only person that can keep her in control.
1: Or like you're the only one who knows what's going on. We don't know where Nancy is. Mm-hmm. Kirk is very suspicious of her. But, like, Bob, like, you're coming with us. He's in full get-off-my-property Oh, yeah. In fact, he's like, you're trespassing! And it's, like, on the planet that you were sent to by Starfleet to do science, the Starfleet officer is trespassing on the Starfleet planet? Like, come on, dude. But whatever. He's in... <laughs> As much logic as any libertarian, um, and that's when they find Green's body.
0: Oh my god!
1: Something's on the ship.
0: Intruder
1: yep. alert! Intruder alert! And we get to. They see saw
0: Green earlier.
1: So many costumes, just the diversity of costumes we get to see of the the crew members scrambling in the oh, halls. Yes. More. More costumes than we're going to see in the entire rest of the series, almost. Um, it's also the first time one of two episodes in which we see a woman crew member in pants.
0: Interesting.
1: Yup. Uh,
0: they snuck those ones past Jean.
1: Oh, yeah. So now we need to get Bob. Spock and Kirk do some great Starfleet. uh uh, uh, strategy in which Sp- Spock will yell Bob's name from one side of the ruins, and then <laughs> Kirk will stun him from the from other, the other side, side of the ruins when he hey. turns his head.
0: Hey, Bob! Huh? Zap, zap! Ooh!
1: Legit. Uh, it's wonderful. But now he's all stunned, so they're like Bob.
0: Yep. Our first phase is to stun. Yeah, they, what they, the
1: fuck is going on, dude? I know like, he's you all like, oh, have to tell us. Oh,
0: "I'm, I've been stunned." So he just feels like the uh, hot and sweaty after he's been shot, and he's like, "Oh, I'm oh. being interrogated." Oh, oh.
1: and Kirk's
0: she's, just like, "Dude, you have to tell us what's kind. up with your wife." She's yep. the last of her kind. She's a beautiful creature. All creatures try to survive. Don't they have a right to survive? Yeah, but maybe not by sucking the salt out of other living creatures, dude. Oh. Like my crewmen. please.
1: Yeah. And so they're like, okay, one, you're talking about Nancy in the past tense. Two, why are you talking about the American buffalo? which yes. has gone extinct. Like he's like, you know like the American buffalo and they're like, "What?" And he's like, there were there were so many of them and then and then they all died. They were they were hunted to extinction. Mm-hmm. But this isn't a colonialism metaphor. This is an extinction metaphor. Um, and the amount of facts on IMDb about this episode that are just, like, people on there, like, mm, excuse me, there are a lot of American buffalo alive right now.
0: Um, <laughs> like, excuse
1: me, most excuse of them me, died
0: you know, but... due to a
1: tick infection from colonizers' cows. They weren't overhunted. It's just like, oh, my God, you guys. Um, so they're like, what the fuck happened to Nancy? dead buried up on that hill i don't know maybe one or two years ago he can't he can't even remember the man's not thinking clearly Mm -hmm. bob's like look she's no different from a buffalo and kirk's like buffalo aren't killing my men
0: yep he's like we can't i'm sorry this is not a one for one here right now
1: this is just not a one for one. We're not conservatives overstating the harm that drag queens can cause. This is, <laughs> this is an actual threat. Um, so we go back to the ship. We get a round table. We got Yeoman Janice. We've got McCoy slash Nancy, because mm-hmm. we know that McCoy's still Nancy. Um, we've got Uhura, Spock, and Kirk. We're in the war room. We're figuring out how to capture this monster, and McCoy is just like, "What if, like, what if we just gave it salt? Like, no tricks. Like, maybe yeah, we like, could just give it some salt. I don't know." Give me some
0: just salt. like,
1: just think it outside the box here. Maybe yeah. it's just a creature trying to survive, and we should just like give it what it wants. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's when they're like, "Okay, Bob." are you, you're able to recognize this creature no matter what form it takes? And he's like, yes. And they're like, tell us who the fuck it is. And he's like, I will not. And that is when Spock's like, we need the truth serum.
0: Yes. Oh, of course. (laughs) Forced interrogation. Amazing.
1: And the truth serum that just exists. But we, we don't break it out until this moment. Fine. You know, there should be more regulations. You've been served
0: three verbal warnings, which allows me to use truth (laughs) serum per Starfleet rules.
1: Uh, Bob's going like, no, it needs love as much as it needs salt. It's intelligent. It doesn't become Nancy for me as a trick. We're in love. He'd
0: be fucking the creature.
1: He'd be fucking the creature. And it is very interesting that like it it, he doesn't see it behaving like Nancy as yeah. a trick. They both have an understanding. Um, and then that's a question for us. How intelligent is this creature? Because mm-hmm. he and McCoy are sharing looks because he knows that McCoy is Nancy. Yeah. Yeah. So they're like, all right, Mr. Spock, take McCoy and Bob to the med bay. We're going to do this truth serum. Before we can even, like, switch scenes, it's like, oh, no, we have to go to the med bay! Somebody Spock ba, 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 ba! over the head!
0: Oh, my like, gosh!
1: Spock's like, the creature! It tried to eat me, but it couldn't because I'm not from Earth and my species evolved in a different ocean.
0: <laughs> yes, our ocean was different, therefore my blood cells are not like your human blood cells.
1: Fantastic. But she did eat Bob. Bob, her love, dead on the floor. The question is, which doesn't get answered, did she eat him because she was desperate and literally about to die and knew that he didn't want her to die? Or did she eat him because she's an animal and not actually able to receive the love that he thought that she was? And much like a cat who will eat its owner's corpse... Mm-hmm. like it was gonna die you know that was it's the an metaphor animal.
0: that I was going for
1: yep yep um, Nancy runs back to the real McCoy <laughs> yes <laughs> as <laughs> McCoy
0: still so we get a shot of McCoy asleep and McCoy in the doorway
1: yeah before we see them being Nancy again Nancy's just like oh my god McCoy help me they're trying to kill me they're trying <gasps> to kill me
0: turning <laughs> on the waterworks yeah. oh Jess, oh freaking out!
1: Just freaking the fuck out! Now we gotta prove to McCoy that this bitch ain't Nancy. Yep. Um, Kirk uh, tries to call her like a dog with salt.
0: Yeah, um, it literally comes she, in with salt in his hand. And he's like, "Who wants salt?" And she wants, wants it. Salt? She's looking past McCoy and her eyes are on the salt. And she's saying to McCoy, "Make him we stop. Make him go away. Make him because I want. Make him go away because I don't want you to see me as eating the salty brine."
1: Uh and then but in the scuffle of McCoy trying to defend her, her trying to get at the salt, she is able to paralyze Kirk. Yeah. And she's doing her creepy fingers going for his face. That's when Spock comes in and he's like, McCoy, shoot her. What are you doing? She's literally killing the cat.
0: What are you doing? And he's like, I can't. I can't do it. And Spock then just goes like, well, I'm going to do it then. Tries to get the phaser from McCoy. And then goes, one of my favorite moments of this, which is insane. He then just, they go and block out him slapping Nancy (laughs) in her woman form like 12 times. He just goes, boom, boom. Boom, boom! And the plot, and you can see the. Be- it's very much the we took the one take because the blocking is like off, oh, yeah. like it doesn't look like seeing singer at all. <laughs> but it just goes back and forth and back and forth, and I'm like, oh my god! And he's just I like we're on her.
1: Could a human woman take this? Like yeah, she's like, not <laughs> bleeding, she's not literally beaten to death at this point. He's a Vulcan, and you like, know how you know-
0: fragile women be. And this one's like. <laughs> Tough as nails.
1: Tough as nails. Ergo. And
0: like,
1: ergo. We haven't established this yet, but Vulcans are way stronger than humans. So, mm-hmm. like, like, she would be dead at this point. But he hits her really, really hard a bunch of times. And she's still fighting.
0: Yep. McCoy that. is just desperate. He's askance. But then, all of a sudden, they say, look. And he's, she is no longer Nancy. She's in her true form, Mm -hmm. a Halloween mask wearing a fur (laughs) carpet. Oh, my God. The best sort of weird swamp-esque creature thing they could get. And she nasty. Like, I'm not trying to be speciesist, but she nasty.
1: She nasty. She has this spooky blue face. She's wearing Mm -hmm. kind of a gully suit uh, or a gilly suit thing. Um,
0: Strangly, uh, dirty hair, dirty mm -hmm. fur all over. Yeah.
1: And she's going in. She's about to kill Kirk McCoy, stuns it in its sad face. Yes. And it turns back into Nancy and. Begs him not to kill her.
0: Which is why, I do, again, if it's a creature, like, it has enough sentience to be able, in in a different form, not its own, communicate in the language back to right. it, to beg for its life. Now, again, yeah. that's survivalist instinct of all creatures, but still, yeah. it it's, it, it's yeah. heartbreaking to watch McCoy. I mean, if not after is. seeing it attack everyone, but McCoy has yeah. to, like... Let them take the final shot. And he's like, Well, he he
1: takes the final shot. He says, Lord, forgive me. Yes. And shoots her. And he shoots Nancy in her Nancy form. She falls as Nancy and then transforms back into her creepy blue form. So he had to, like, shoot this woman in her own, like, in the form that he recognized. Wow. McCoy. Bones.
0: Was many households first introduction (laughs) to the long, long running franchise from TV shows to novels to movies to video games to entire religious esque details of every single moment from this series began with assault succubus, the man trap.
1: Precisely. We end up back on the bridge, as we do for all episodes, to wrap Mm -hmm. things up. You know. and here's what happened today. Games here. Spock's like, "Hey, Kirk, like, what's up? You're looking pensive." And he goes, "I'm just thinking about the buffalo." Yep. Warp five, Mister Sulu. With an
0: amazing shot where it's like just his eyes are like everything's silhouetted, but like just his eyes and like his face is on there stark. So he's like. Ah, uh, on there, and then turns. Yes, Barbie was perfect. Uh. And I get I get how this crew were mm. all very attractive. Like, yep. they were normal, attractive. That's the thing yeah. that also surprised me was That's the standards are much more normal. Like, how mm-hmm. people would look. They're, even, like, Shatner had the little bit of a thinning hairline. You know, Spock a had, harsh. like, very stark face. But, like, they're all, like, McCoy a zaddy. Like, he's yeah. already in that mode there. Like, it just is a, a, an incredible, uh, okay. uh, you see them all in the film, you know, cause again, I grew up with the films where they were in their, you know, forties or fifties at that point, yeah. And they were, uh, again, no, again, normal, like, normal people bodied but in older Mm -hmm. bodies and so they weren't as uh fit as they were when they were younger which again i I like that that's the thing that i miss about movies and tv is casting people who look normal and not having every person in your main series be basically like the attractive version of x y or z you know archetype
1: Mm -hmm. exactly um missy before we get into the fun facts tell me What did you think of this episode? What do you think will happen in the future? What are you the most excited to see? Uh,
0: I'm excited. F- oh, I'm excited for sets. I'm excited for costumes. I'm excited for props. I'm excited for story. I'm excited because I know these characters. Because that's the thing. And especially in pop culture, like these characters are not strange to me. So I don't need to. Mm-hmm. I'm going to be learning more about them, but I don't need to learn who yeah. they are. So for me, it's all going to be about the experience of us going in and out of what was so. It's to answer the question, what captivated people about this? Like, I know it captivates it as me. Like, coming from an absolute queer perspective, like, that is how I'm going to be watching this. Because it is camp. It is, like, high... Uh, like, high... Um, science fiction, I believe it's called. Like, it's very yeah. much, like, brainy, though. It But mm-hmm. it is... I don't know. It doesn't feel so stilted and jargon field like i again we uh so in my other podcast uh not a hate watch i watched some stargate episodes and it, it just was m- much more boring but it was like some of the same stuff and and i i think it just simply was the 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 color and the camp like this was one of the first color tv shows as well so they really filmed it to make it stark and to make it interesting because they were utilizing the technology at the time. So to us, it feels like oversaturated or campy or pastel or whatever, you know, the different sets and everything it is. But, like, that's what I love about it. It's just the decisions, all of the the things of it. So I'm looking forward to all the sets they're going to pull from old Hollywood and reuse. I'm excited for all of the uncomfortable norms that we're going to have to approach on here, but also take the parts that we like from it. Like, Mm -hmm. no, I, like, I, I, I'm going to laugh at a lot of this stuff. You know, yes, because it's inappropriate, but that's why I'm going to be laughing at it was the fact that this made it to air and this was a successful popular TV show and to analyze, like, how did it set norms and how did it set standards for more sci-fi to come? Because Mm -hmm. the people who wrote sci-fi later were the people who loved Star Trek and who loved Star Wars and that is how... It all evolved. Like these are Urtex for modern science fiction that has to do with space. So I'm really excited again just to kind of go back to where it all started the warts and all. Genes and all.
1: Genes and all. Uh, So here's some facts. This episode was directed by Mark Daniels. Uh, He ended up filming more episodes than any other director of of this series. it was the sixth episode produced and the first draft was titled the damsel with a dulcimer. Oh. Fun, fun. I love the alliteration. It was written by uh, George Clayton Johnson, who this was the only episode he ever wrote for Star Trek. He submitted other ones that were not accepted. Um, what's fun is that Gene Roddenberry rewrote this script. Uh, Oh, of course. A couple times, uh, Johnson thought that it downgraded the story, as did other producers. They're like, yeah, Roddenberry is not a great writer, but whatever.
0: He made it pulp. He said pulp sells, so I got to make it pulpy.
1: Pulpy and sexy. Um, The first idea for the monster was that it was going to be some sort of terrifying young lady, like the... Like the sexy woman from the pilot that's not going to air yet. <laughs> um, and Roddenberry loved that idea, of course, because the more ladies he can get. Yeah, where almost yeah, in sexy front ladies, him, yeah. The better. But he had already agreed with NBC that it would be an animal. Uh, and it was Johnson who suggested the shape shifting because he used that idea in an episode he wrote of The Twilight Zone. The four there of you us go. are dying.
0: Yep. Mm-hmm. That, again, as I talked about it, these early stuff, yep. a lot of them. I, I wouldn't be surprised how many of these were basically spec scripts that people had sitting around and then they slapped space on it.
1: 100% it was that. It was a lot of Outer Limits writers, a lot of Twilight Zone people. Um...
0: Um, see, okay, that is fascinating to me because the creators of Stargate were both... Outer Limits writers who met each other and then made Stargate. So I'm just fascinated that this is similar here, where it's Twilight Zone and Outer Limits, which again, did deal with sci-fi. I mean, it makes sense because they were okay. dealing, telling stories that had to do with aliens and space. And so they were the ones that would make sense to do it. But I, it's just an interesting parallel for those two.
1: I think that that is why I liked Star Trek so much um, when I was younger, because it came from the people who were writing speculative fiction, not just science fiction. A lot of the episodes feel more like speculative fiction within a sci-fi rapper. Like, we're going to a civilization that is different from ours. We're going to explore XYZ societal problem through XYZ civilization. Different
0: social norms. It was was the rise of when... It, it coincided not just with the space race, but when airplane travel, yeah. like this is something, a concept I learned about that I didn't didn't really think about, the fact that airplane travel made multiculturalism much more accessible as well as television and film. But it was one of those things where people were just starting to learn, hey, not everyone acts like us, but also that they're all humans too. And so people started having, you know, very violent reactions to it or very, like, accepting reactions to it. It was a very, like, jarring time culturally, especially even given race relations going on in the country at this point as well. But, yeah, these concepts of, like, other people do things differently being basically, like, the Mm -hmm. the core conceit of the fiction are so fascinating because you just know they were all, like, just roiling with it at the time.
1: Oh, yeah. And that is definitely one of the things like the Declaration of Independence, which declares all people free, despite every single founding father doing their very best to make sure that no one was free except for them. Just saying the words helps. And Gene Roddenberry was very dedicated to showing racial equity on screen. Um, Unfortunately, because of his dedication to the that, that he felt and or didn't actually want to do anything about queer people or queer stories um, yeah. but the 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 thing that he has told people and that he told people then which is probably true is that the network is already hella pissed at him like he's already fighting tooth and nail to keep aura mm-hmm. on the on the bridge which is very true they were constantly trying to get uhura off the bridge and it was messed up um and so he he was very dedicated to that partially because he's like you know what good people are good people aren't racist
0: yeah yeah and
1: and i want everyone to think i'm a good person
0: yeah yeah. and he wasn't racist it's fantastic
1: or good people can be
0: sexist you know but not racist
1: yeah Precisely. Um, so something fun that happens again with Jean. Uh, when Yeoman Rand, this is Janice, Janice Rand, brings mm-hmm. Sulu his food, he says, may the great bird of the galaxy bless your planet. Sort of jokingly to her. This was an in-joke because associate producer Robert A. Justman Nicknamed Gene Roddenberry the Great Bird of the Galaxy, which is something he was known as throughout pop culture uh, moving forward.
0: The self-realization and actualization of his myth.
1: Precisely. Um, I think that it's a really fun thing to say because Sulu does say it with a lot of sass and and Gene Roddenberry is was already an asshole like everyone knew that he had those tendencies and especially george takei understood that because he couldn't he he couldn't be won over by all of the sexist Mm -hmm. bullshit him and nimoy uh just because nimoy's a good person um yeah
0: uh, I'm very interested in this watch to watch George Takei, Sulu's performance, knowing he's a queer individual because I want yeah. to see where that queerness leaks out. And it's even true. and even here, like, you know, not not trying to be like, oh, in a funny stereotype way, mm-hmm. but like the Janus in him felt like yeah. a gay best friend situation. Like it really yes. did feel like, yeah, these two probably get along because he's one of the few men that isn't harassing her and being polite yeah. to her. You know, I don't exactly. know if Sulu is scripted to have no. affection toward women. or not in it he is
1: he so he he doesn't actually have any very few people besides kirk and spock have any kind of romances throughout but george takei was deeply closeted at that time and played uh he he has stated many times that he played sulu as a straight man person yeah um and that was his intention behind it, uh, to, to the point of saying, like, in the newer versions when they allude to Sulu being gay, he's like, why don't they just make more new queer characters? Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. why don't they make, like... Like, I, I, I appreciate the... Illu- on screen. I, yeah, it's like, <laughs> I appreciate the illusion that you're trying to do for me as a personal person, but, like, maybe, yeah, just have queer characters to begin yeah. with and you don't have to retcon it in there.
1: Yeah, and especially in the ways of, like, because, you know, the way that they end up alluding to Sulu being queer, because he's a legacy character and he's not a main character on any of these shows, mm-hmm. it's not like it's an actual story about these queer characters Yeah, and, and, and It's especially... like he walks off with a man and a child, like, oh, yeah. gay characters represent... Like, fuck you. Um
0: it was his best friend and they were roommates.
1: Best friend. They were roommates and they just found a child together that they decided to raise together as friends. <laughs> so the actors uh, who played the two crewmen who died, uh, Darnell and Sturgeon, they appeared in other episodes of Star Trek. Oh, interesting. Um, yes. So Michael Zaslow, Darnell, um, he was also in I, Mud*. Um, and he was on Guiding Light, which is a soap opera at the yeah, time. Yeah, I saw
0: he had his own Wikipedia entry. And so I was like, oh, good. He went on to do you know yeah. bigger things post being a corpse.
1: Uh, and John Arndt is the one who played Sturgeon. He is uh, in four other episodes of the original series. It doesn't say which ones they are, but...
0: Now, I'll have to watch and see. I'm curious if they're the ones that were filmed out of production order. And so mm-hmm. if this was the sixth one filmed, then they might have been in any of those ones. We'll, we'll keep an eye. Hey, but we'll see.
1: They didn't really care about continuity <laughs> in that way, <laughs> they, especially they, into the later seasons. It just wasn't done as much on television at the time. They didn't have people and,
0: obsessively watching it over and over yeah. and be pausing it and being like, hey, this yeah. person's the same person from this one. Oh, I'm going to put it on, so this, on this entry. Click, 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 click.
1: And so Sturgeon, uh, crewman Sturgeon, was named for the novelist Theodore Sturgeon, who later wrote some of the most famous episodes of Star Trek, Um, Star Trek Shore Leave and A Mock Time. Um, So you know, years later. So body count of this episode: seven zero red shirts.
0: I was going to say, I had the number ready to go. There are seven. It's like, they're not messing around with this. They're like, oh, no, you're going to see people. Die.
1: Now, let's talk props. Let's talk props. Props. Let's talk props and let's talk uh, costumes. Because this is what I want to hear what you have to say about, first off, the things that Dr. McCoy uses in his med bay. They were originally sourced to be futuristic salt shakers.
0: Oh, yep, of course. And just hovering it over on there is perfect. Again, I alluded to it earlier. I love how the design is very utilitarian. Yes. It is very functional. And I know that's because they were just trying to build these sets to be functional and they couldn't get around with it. But the small details they put on there does give it life. Like, it does feel like a a ship a like you with the way they have a design again the that sort of submarine aesthetic which i only mm-hmm. really got watching this episode for the mm-hmm. first time of like oh yes no this design really is giving you that sort of feel and that is what they're modeling of and why they have you know navy terms for yes. all of these ships and stuff because it, it really is just like floating in space in these yeah. giant you know <laughs> tubes the
1: space navy um the plant room let's talk about the plant room so this oh, of the course the plant is,
0: room was amazing uh
1: grace lee whitney who played who plays yeoman janice mm-hmm. um, it was her favorite set to work on um i'm sure all those plants are gorgeous because she had george takei who she enjoyed working with um yep. and they have you can tell in their chemistry how well they do that plant scene um it was a hand puppet controlled from under the table and Grace uh, Lee Whitney later recalled that the puppeteer could see right up her skirt throughout the shoot,
0: oh, oh, and would oh, occasionally
1: dear. grope her using the puppet. Oh
0: my word! Well, bad Gertrude. I I don't like that. I don't like that hair and puppet flower anymore. It was the yeah. penis metaphor makes sense oh. now. Boo, oh, boo, the no. plan. Bad plan. Still her oh. favorite set though.
1: Oh yeah, and it's one of those situations again where these. Just this was the time, and TV at the time they kept promoting these awful men to be in control. That and like I they would were put a stuck show in situations that if I get by a plant on set, where it's like, Oh, haha, this is definitely something funny that's happening to me. Yep, I'm yeah, super I'm getting <laughs> cool with this. I'm
0: getting sexual harassment yep. written onto my character, and I get sexual harassment in my time here, not being my character straight up. Great straight deal, Dean.
1: So. That's just a thing to keep in mind for, mm-hmm. for our dear Janice. Um, something about the ruins. They were constructed out of cardboard boxes covered in gunite, which is a spray on cement. Oh, that's funny.
0: Yep. Like that's why they're so blocky, of course. They're just cardboard boxes. That's amazing.
1: And the creature was designed by Chang. Um The mask and stuff was built by him. It was like a total like latex sort of built mass incredible the body was a ghillie suit pretty much um Mm -hmm. and like random netting and dancer sandra gimple wore the costume on screen
0: uh, very nice. That's why it's very so, flexible and was able to maneuver. Yeah. So yeah. the costuming for the the crew and everything is great. I mean, it what is. I'm very familiar with them, but they all look great. They're very fitted. Um, again, it's the utilitarian aspect of it. Everyone's in uniform. Uh, we learn, you know, throughout the show the different layers. I don't. I don't know them off the top of my head, but I, you know, just the different layers of coloring yeah, and what, what the department you're mean. from. You know exactly. what? They
1: didn't at this point either. Mm-hmm. At but this point, even, we'll see in the yeah. next couple episodes they're still figuring out what if anything they want to do with that level of continuity
0: but in in this episode we didn't have much costuming outside of the crew because it was really just uh the uh nancy who was sort of wearing a dress that like a jumpsuit style dress and uh the guy was in sort of like You know, a a jumpsuit as well and they was like, yeah, it's interesting but it looks like the kind of stuff you'd wear on a desert planet. you were researchers in the future.
1: (laughs) Um, So this, the reception of this episode, it was placed first in its time slot with Nielsen ratings of 25.2 during the first half hour and 46.7% of all American televisions in use at that time Oh, no. During the first half hour, 46.7% of all American televisions in use at that time were tuned in to the episode. 46%.
0: Like, right? it is incredible how media has become so branched off and splintered where, like, you can't get 46% of people to watch most anything. Right? Like, you know, we're, we're recording this uh, wh- close to when the Super Mario Brothers movie came out, which just said an animated record, and that was the only thing I can remember recently that I felt like, oh yeah, I know everyone is going to go see this right now. Mm-hmm. It just doesn't happen.
1: Oh yeah. Uh, during the second half of the episode, it only dropped to 42.2% that's, of that's the That's really
0: incredible. Right? Yeah.
1: Yeah. it's it's It means that a lot of people saw the first half and they're like, I'm in it to win it. I want to know what the fuck this chick does
0: space was in space was the new westerns like that's nope. it even changed from the cinema where that was becoming the the bee and the pulp movies and yep. and what people would want to come see and and have like a show invest in money to make it look good, you know, yes. especially for the era, was huge. Like, I, I get it. I get it.
1: And most of this came from, um, it was, of course, produced by Desilu Productions.
0: Yeah, I um, love seeing that credit at the yes. end. Or I, rem- I remembered that. I'm like, yes. Oh, my God, yes. How they yeah. t- so, took so and, many shows yeah. and just, like, uh, innovated television.
1: Yeah, Lucy really went back for this show like she thought that this was a great idea um, she I believed love Lucy. in Gene um, and you know what like anyone who Gene had to impress in order to get his job wow they met a really nice guy <laughs> They, the person that they met a genuinely good person
0: he was, he was <laughs> to only, everyone low key sexist everyone else was <laughs> like overly sexist and he was only like background sexist <laughs>
1: So that's all fun thing. So, yeah, um, the budget, it actually came in under budget uh, this episode. Cardboard and boxes. It was 100008 I can't read long numbers. You're <laughs> this all will good. Take me a minute. $185,401. The $1 was,
0: that... was for snacks.
1: One dollar was for snacks. Uh, I have a final that's fact. That's a lot that... of
0: money for that time, though. A hundred thousand 000... that's so much money, yes. at that time. Like, yes. really think that uh, we talk about like million dollar episode budgets now and things like that, and that seems like so crazy, but like that's basically what they were doing back then. Oh,
1: yeah, yeah, and that was another reason why, uh, you know. Or that was another thing that they had to contend with it was how high budget this show was for what the studio was seeing is like you told Mm -hmm. us we were getting a western in space
0: but (laughs) instead you're
1: meditating on the nature of racism and we're a network like you know but yeah it's because it it was so much money um i have a final fact that i was not able to find the source of Nor fact check, but I just thought it was fun that someone put it on IMDb. It is reported that Gene Roddenberry's father was so embarrassed after the airing of this episode that he went throughout the neighborhood to apologize to the neighbors.
0: That sounds exactly like something a conservative dad... I think I'm so I'm so sorry that had so, that, too many women and too oh I'm so sorry I'm it was so a sorry. silly
1: monster and it wasn't like, some I don't sophisticated... know why he stopped
0: I don't know why he stopped being a cop he was much better at being a <laughs> cop than he was at a TV <laughs> yeah. ride look at this nonsense There's the no show. Twilight Zone
1: um, so yeah those are the fun facts that I have for this episode Um, Missy Do you have any lingering questions about Star Trek, about how it was made, about any of the history at this point for me to uh, bring back to our next episode and or answer immediately? Because I have been watching the YouTuber Jessie Gender, who everyone should check out. She is incredible and does extensive videos about Star Trek And uh, multiple videos about sex in Star Trek, about queer identities in Star Trek and about the history thereof um, as, yeah, just a lot of really great and interesting videos. One specifically called Sex in Star Trek and one called Gene's Vision. That's where I learned a lot of these interesting facts about Gene Roddenberry.
0: I am very excited to go through this exploratory phase. I do not have any lingering questions about this episode. We have, like, more than covered it. We're, do, you, we're, do you know the podcast jobs are, of course, always to be longer than the episode content that they're doing? And we have clocked in well beyond the 50-minute here. It's our it's our first episode, so, like, of course, we had a lot to get in and get here and stuff. Like, it's, we're, it's, it's like, half of a pilot and it on here. So I'm not, like, judging us whatever. But, like, I have... So, I'm just so happy I don't I cannot describe to you how happy I was watching this like even yes. in the rough moments because it, it just like to be able to laugh at like how backwards it is and especially like when we're dealing with a time when people are trying to push us backwards as much as they can Yo. it's like cathartic to like mm-hmm. go back and be like well we have moved on from certain places and like here's where we are but yeah I. it just felt I just felt like a beautiful romp and i want to be with these crew members more i forgot how much i miss them
1: yeah me too. i miss them and i don't me even too. know
0: them i'm still learning about them
1: <laughs> and that's what's so wonderful like the chemistry of the crew is what makes the show no matter what william shatner tries to yeah. lather out of his stupid mouth it's the chemistry of the ensemble
0: i would say it's truly an ensemble and and mm-hmm. it, Again, it's great to see them in their early time and how good they are already. Like, I thought the acting was great and fine. I didn't really struggle with any of it. Like, again, maybe I'm just used to them, but I was like, yes, give me more. Give me, give me more. I can't wait. I cannot, I mean, I have to, but I can't wait until our next episode, Emily. This has been a delight. And to just, oh, to red chart through this and just be able to to enjoy what we can but shit on what needs to be shit on like this is not sacred this is not holy text this is not infallible this is of its time and yeah it can be great but we can also go through and point out <laughs> this stinks like shit <laughs> oh yeah do you need to?
1: oh yeah there's absolute bullshit but it's always done with the most fun possible and and that's all you can ask for <laughs>
0: We hope you'll join us on the rest of this journey. Feel free to watch the episodes along with us every week. Uh, You can come comment with us on the Discord at Planet Scum. Or on Twitter, you can follow me at Miss Missy Info. If Twitter's still around, who knows? It might, you know, implode by the time that this episode hits.
1: Incredible. Next week, we're going to be watching Charlie X.
0: Oh, my, which I wondered, is that where Charlie XCX comes from? Like, I can't wait.
1: We'll see. Yay.
0: Emily, it's time to log off and to goadly bowl, to goadly bowl, to goadly bowl, where no man has goad bofo. Yo. I podcast well.
1: Yo, me too. (laughs)
0: Yay! Yay! I'm hitting and recording. That's amazing.